Blessed are the heavens, for they declare the power of creation. Blessed is the earth, our beloved home, for she is a planet of plenitude. Blessed are the waters thereon, for they gave rise to living things. Blessed is the land, for it is the source of life abundant. Blessed is the air we breathe, for it fires us to life and love. Blessed are the beasts of the field, for they are glorious to behold. Blessed are the birds of the air, as they carve a graceful ark in the sky. Blessed are the mountains and the seas and the valleys, for their variety makes rich our habitat. Blessed are the fields of grain, the orchards of fruit, for they give sustenance, asking little in return. Blessed are the dwellers of the earth, for they cherish the privilege of living on it. And blessed are they who protect the earth and all her creatures, from the plants of the field to the trees of the forests, for their reward shall be harmony with the interdependent web of all existence. Rejoice and be glad, for the earth and her people are one. Well, these opening words, written by Unitarian Universalist Minister Richard S. Gilbert, welcome all those who have gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. 
welcome to regular members of the congregation, to any friends and visitors who are with us today, anyone who might be listening in on our podcast or watching this on YouTube at a later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I've been part of this congregation for I think 22 years now, it must be nearing my anniversary, and I'm the ministry coordinator with Kensington Unitarians these days. And also for a few more weeks, I'm your ministry student on placement as I finish up my training with Unitarian College. The title of this morning's service is Restore Our Earth. That's the theme of this year's Earth Day and Earth Day takes place this coming Thursday, 22nd of April. As the Earth Day campaign website says, climate change and other environmental degradations have broken our natural systems leading to new and fatal diseases, as well as a breakdown of the global economy. But just as climate change and coronavirus painfully remind us of the harm we've caused, the theme Restore Our Earth reminds us of the opportunities that still lay ahead of us. We must restore our Earth, not just because we care about the natural world, but because we live on it. Every one of us needs a healthy Earth to support our jobs, our livelihoods, our health and survival, our very happiness. Our healthy planet is not just an option, it is a necessity. So I'll be leading this Earth Day service this morning with plenty of help from Liz and David, Karina and Elnaz, members of the congregation who will each offer their own personal reflections on the theme, linking our spiritual connection with this earth with any practical actions we can take to help restore it. Before we go any further though, let's take a moment to make sure we've fully arrived. Do what you need to do to settle in. You might want to wiggle or stretch, scrunch your shoulders up and let them go. Perhaps take one conscious breath. Set aside, if you can, anything that you don't need to think about for the next hour. And do feel free to turn your camera off if that works better for you. Of course, we like to see your lovely faces, but lurking is always allowed here. There will be various opportunities to join in as we go along, but they're all entirely optional. So whoever you are, however you are, whatever side of bed you got out of this morning, you are welcome in this gathering just as you are. And I'll light our chalice now, as we do each Sunday and at other times when we gather during the week. This simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, and it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this little gathering is part. committed to respond to the call of a wounded world. We join together this day with loving hearts and hands and minds, embracing the interconnected web of water and air and earth. We light this fire of sustaining hope, ever bright with love and justice. May we bring forth this day new wisdom, new strength and courage, to create a world of well-being, peace and abundance for all. As we give thanks for this earth, our shared and singular home, may we dedicate ourselves to its ongoing care and restoration, rising to the calls deep within us and all around us. May we respond today and always with courage and with love.
Let's take a moment to think of those joys and those concerns we've heard expressed, all those little windows into our shared human condition and the life of the wider world. And let's take those joys and concerns into an extended time of prayer now. You might want to adjust your position first for comfort. You might want to adopt a position that feels more prayerful for you. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the chalice flame. Do whatever you need to do to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now. To be fully present in this time and this place with ourselves, each other and that which we hold to be divine. Spirit of life, God of all love, gentle presence which holds us all. We gather in reverence and thanks. We're grateful for the gift of another breath and for each precious moment of connection and beauty and truth. Cry with us in our pain for our world. Remind us that we are loved just as we are. Remind us that we are connected with all that is. Remind us that we do not journey alone. Give us what we need for today and call us back to our promises, our commitments our values. Help us to love ourselves and each other and to show that love in our actions. Make us instruments of justice, equity and compassion. Free us from all that is evil. For we declare that life and love are stronger than tyranny and fear that a world of beauty and love is coming and we must shape it together. And let us take a moment to focus our loving thoughts and prayers on all those who are suffering in this world right now. Through illness or injury, isolation or injustice through all the many losses of our lives and let us pray too for those who care those who act and speak to improve the lot of those in need in a few moments of stillness now let us call to mind a person or a situation that is in need of our loving prayers this day And let us take a further moment to focus our thoughts and our prayers on all that we have to be grateful for right now. 
the goodness that persists despite all the world's challenges and uncertainties. All the kindness and beauty and pleasure we have known and witnessed. In this further moment of stillness, let us call to mind something we feel moved to give thanks for. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing together now. Our first hymn uh, fits the theme of our service perfectly. It speaks of how we're called to care for our precious planet and all the creatures we share it with. Earth is gift of God's creation. I don't think it's one we've ever sung that often. Uh, this recording is of us singing back in the church in 2019 and uh, our pianist plays it all the way through before anyone starts singing. So presumably it was a bit unfamiliar to us even back then. The words will appear on screen in a moment for you to sing along. We'll try and make sure you all stay muted. Uh, but if you don't fancy singing, it is absolutely fine to just listen along instead. And the hymn will be followed by the first of our reflections today. There'll be reflections from Liz and from Karina. Something to look forward to.
I'm Liz Tuckwell and Jane also volunteers to write a short piece for today's service and, ignoring my father's advice to me, never volunteer, I stepped up. I think we've all gained a deeper emotional connection to the earth this last year and appreciate it much more. The sights and sounds of nature around us has helped many of us to cope with the isolation and social deprivations. I know the sounds of birds chirping in my garden in the early morning and at twilight never fails to cheer me up. The joy I feel when I look at a beautiful sunset, the pinks and scarlets swirling across the blue sky. Sarah's service last week, beauty all around us, struck a chord with me as it must have done with many people. I was surprised by just how happy and hopeful I felt when I went for a walk in the park a couple of weeks ago and spotted the different flowers starting to bloom. Yellow daffodils, bluebells and other blue and red flowers that I don't know the names of because I'm not much of a gardener. They all comforted me by reminding me that nature carries on regardless of what people are doing, at least if people allow it to do so. And that's the rub, isn't it? If humanity allows the earth to do what it should, we are constantly receiving bad news how people's actions are affecting the natural world, from the ice in the Arctic and Antarctic to the jungles in the Amazon. It sometimes makes me feel helpless. What can I do as an individual to change things? There are greedy big corporations ruining the planet who don't seem to have a sense of enlightened self-interest. The slogan I've seen several times, I think, says it all. There is no planet B. But I remind myself that if everyone did some small thing to reduce the environmental impact, then there would be many people having an environmental impact. I recently did an online course on the futurelearn.com website, which I recommend incidentally, as there are many free and interesting courses there. I studied the From Waste to Value, How to Tackle Food Waste course with my sister and niece. I'd never before realised just how much food waste is part of the environmental problem. I'm now trying to put some of the actions and gestures into practice. Even small things, such as doing a meal plan for the week, to make sure I waste as little food as possible. I'm also trying to cut down on my use of plastic, although I find that much more difficult. The course also did give me hope, because it gave examples of products being created to stop food wastage, such as special labels on food cartons, that tell you if food can still be used and avoid the debate about Best Buy dates. There is a lot happening to stop or mitigate environmental damage, and I hope that we can do it in time. I grew up in a suburb of Sydney where our house backed onto a nature reserve, complete with its own cove. I was woken every morning by the kookaburras and the noisy cockatoos, and my childhood was spent exploring the tracks and playing imaginary games of pirates and adventurers down on the small beach. I was very privileged to live in such a unique and beautiful place, which forged in me a deep reverence for nature. I felt like there wasn't a distinction between nature and us. It just spilled out into everything in our lives. We were immersed in it so deeply that I felt a part of it. I now live in the Suffolk countryside and getting my fix of nature is not difficult or time consuming. Again, it's all around me. 
In urban areas, finding that connection can be more challenging. However, it is also around us in the very air we breathe, the trees poking up from pavements at bus stops, and in the birds taking a pause on power lines. We can seek out some green space or grow a few plants on our balconies, and then we are making these connections and can possibly feel a part of the planet rather than something which we simply observe and use. It can help us as a species to thrive in the future. And if you think about the ways in which nature restores us, the beautiful places we visit to feel energized, at peace, and simply to feel a sense of something greater than ourselves, then I think we'd all agree that the natural world plays a large part in that for us as human beings. As a species, how do we relate to our planet? We often think of the earth in the feminine, mother earth, the nurturer, the giver, the life force. However, she's currently screaming, crying and pulling her hair out. She's overworked, overwhelmed and undernourished. As she can't speak to us in the same way we speak to each other to get our needs met, instead she burns, floods, melts and is heating up to get our attention. Whilst we are born from the planet in an evolutionary sense, is a mother the best way in which to think of our planet? If we think of it as a mother, are we unconsciously taking her for granted because she will love us unconditionally and never become completely hostile to us? I wonder if it's better to think of our planet as an extension of ourselves. Does this collectively help us to care more about the planet because we are the planet, we are nature and nature is us too? Or should we think about the planet like a friend who is suffering from an illness and needs some TLC, some help, some nurturing? Whichever way we want to think of and identify with our planet, it needs to be in a way which is mutual and beneficial. This brings me to the message for this year's Earth Day, which is restore the earth. It is an important reminder to us all that we are part of this planet not just creatures living on it, that we have a role to play in its care and survival. It is a chance to stop and notice the environment around us and think about our impact and how we can make some changes or become more active. I'm sure that we're all doing something in our small way to restore the planet, whether it's recycling, using less plastic, cycling to work, eating less meat, possibly supporting conservation groups, or even picking up litter in our neighbourhoods when we're out for a walk. All these small acts can be part of something bigger, something restorative. If we love and care about ourselves, our families, friends and communities, then we should also extend that to our environments because we're all connected. We all rely on each other to survive and thrive. Lastly, we could also consider that the earth is our home rather than our mother. And as visitors on this planet, 
we should behave like welcomed guests who do not leave a trail of destruction behind them, but tread gently and leave it preserved for the generations of visitors of the future. Thanks so much, Karina and Liz, for sharing your thoughtful reflections with us all. We've come now to a time of meditation. Once again, you might like to have a wiggle, get as comfortable as you can in your chair or on your bed. You might want to put your feet flat on the floor to steady yourself, perhaps close your eyes. There'll be a few words, uh, a poem called The Song of the Soul of the Earth by Susan Podobrowski to take us into a time of meditation. These are words which draw us into the deep connection between our own physical bodies and the body of the earth itself. This poem will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness during which we'll have our virtual chalice flame on screen in case you'd like to focus on the flickering flame. And the silence will come to an end with some um, rather light-hearted music from Marilisa accompanied by images of some fine and upstanding citizens, including a few familiar faces, making little local steps to restore our earth through the medium of litter picking. And after the meditation, we'll hear two more reflections from David and Elnaz. So as we go into this time of meditation, as always, you're free to think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. A true story sings the song of the soul of the earth and we feel it deep in our bodies and deep in our souls because the song of the soul of the earth is our song too. If you ride your breath and quiet your mind you will hear the heartbeat of the earth. You will feel the ebb and flow of the tides in the push and pull of the blood beneath your skin. The air you breathe out joins the breezes that circle the earth. And when you breathe in, the air in China stirs ever so slightly. Where do we begin? Where do we end? When we take in the things around us, what we leave behind changes everything. A mindful moment sings the song of the soul of the earth and we feel it deep in our bodies and deep in our souls because the song of the soul of the earth is our song too.
Unlike litter, which we can see and often deal with right away by putting it in a bin, the causes of climate change are invisible and the effects may not be at all obvious in the places we live and visit. As with COVID-19, we have to rely on the expertise of scientists to understand it and what we have to do to avoid its terrible effects. It's not only green activists like Greta Thunberg and naturalists like David Attenborough who take climate change seriously. A recent BBC News online article starts, US envoy John Kerry is heading to Shanghai to woo China in advance of a climate summit President Joe Biden is hosting next week. One of many top level international negotiations. Climate change is sometimes called global warming, but this term has the disadvantage that some places can be cooler from one year to the next. That's fluctuations in weather, not climate. Climate is weather averaged over about 30 years. The changes that concern us began in the mid 1800s when people began to burn fossil fuels, such as coal, oil and gas in the industrial revolution. When burnt, these fossil fuels release greenhouse gases, such as carbon dioxide, which form a blanket around the earth, trapping the heat from the sun and warming the whole planet. Some of us might feel that a warmer climate would be nice, but there are serious downsides, rising ocean levels and acidification and extreme weather events, such as heat waves, droughts and floods. These are likely to result in food insecurity um, due to damage from, uh, uh, to pastures, farmland and fisheries. All this can lead to conflict when people fight over resources, food, water, shelter, or mass migration when people leave their homelands. Such problems are more likely in poorer, less developed countries. How can we stop or limit climate change? Most important is to make large and rapid reductions in global greenhouse gas emissions. This can be done by governments, businesses, organizations and individuals around the world. In 2019, the UK became the world's first major economy to legislate for a target of net zero emissions by 2050, less than 30 years away. This is a big topic, and I'll mention just three things that we as individuals can do. One, where possible, insulate our homes. Two, on colder days, put on warmer clothes rather than turn the heating up. Three, limit long haul and frequent flights. There are websites such as hubbub.org.uk that are full of practical eco-tips. Those living lavishly have a greater responsibility to change their lifestyles. A recent report from the Cambridge Sustainability Commission on scaling behavior change found that the world's wealthiest 1% produced double the combined carbon emissions of the poorest 50%. The authors want to deter SUV drivers and frequent flyers and persuade the wealthy to insulate their homes well. 
if anyone would like to know more about climate change and or what they can do to stop or limit it, please feel free to email me. Use my personal email address if you have it or eco at kensington-unitarians.org.uk. The eco at address is for West London Green Spirit Group, which is hosted by Kensington Unitarians. Sarah and I got this going in August 2019 to promote care for and spiritual emotional connection with our planet Earth home, primarily by the cycle of eight annual festivals known as the Wheel of the Year. They are the spring and autumn equinoxes, summer and winter solstices, and four festivals in between. Our next meeting is on Saturday 1st of May at 3 p.m. For Beltane or May Day. These gatherings, even online, have a celebratory feel. Care for our planet Earth home need not be all austerities, doom and gloom. There's not time to tell you about all the environmental things I've done in my life, but they've included practical work with the conservation volunteers and many years of important back office work for two environmental organisations. Currently, in addition to West London Green Spirit activities, I produce and distribute roughly every month a selection of eco news items with a spiritual ethical dimension. If you'd like to try it, please email me. Thank you. I would like to start off by sharing a short passage from Returning the Gift by the Distinguished Teaching Professor and the Director of the Center for Native Peoples and the Environment at Syracuse University and a member of the Citizen Potawatomi Nation, Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer. Dr. Kimmerer writes, We are showered every day with the gifts of the earth. Gifts we have neither earned nor paid for. Air to breathe, nurturing rain, black soil, berries and honeybees. The tree that becomes this page, a bag of rice, and the exuberance of a field of goldenrod and asters at full bloom. My economics colleagues speak of these everyday miracles as natural resources, as if they were our property just waiting to be transformed. In the ecological sciences, we call them ecosystem services, as if they were the inevitable outcomes of the ongoing function of the ecological machine. But to me, simply as a human person filling my basket with berries and my belly with pie, they feel like gifts bestowed by the other beings whose lives throb around us. Though we live in a world made of gifts, we find ourselves harnessed to institutions and an economy that relentlessly asks, what more can we take from the earth? This worldview of unabridled exploitation is to my mind the greatest threat to the life that surrounds us. Even our definitions of sustainability revolve around trying to find the formula to ensure that we can keep on taking 
far into the future. Isn't the question we need, what does the earth ask of us? The premise of the earth asking something of me makes my heart swell. I celebrate the implicit recognition of the animacy of the earth, that the living planet has the capacity to ask something of us and that we have the capacity to respond. Can it be that an entity as vast, as whole, and as generous as the earth has need of me? Me. Could it be that we are more than passive recipients of her gifts, but participants in her well-being? We are honored by the request. It lets us know that we belong. I've been told that my Potawatomi ancestors taught that the job of a human person is to learn. What can I give in return for the gifts of the earth? Some words there by Dr. Kimmerer. I have learned that to best return the gifts of the earth, as Dr. Kimmerer has said, one needs to understand and value all of the earth's gifts. Often self-reflecting while surrounded by or in nature, a time to recognize that everything is connected and that it is this intrinsic interconnectedness between all living beings that allows for the earth to provide us with so many gifts. From the songbirds that greet us in the morning to the bacteria in the soil that helps grow our food. Yet it is easy to be distracted from this interconnectedness by life's many duties, or by the lively and bustling towns and cities in which so many of us now live in. Nature can instead offer us a place of refuge for when we are feeling hopeless, jaded, or disillusioned by the state of our earth. A refuge away from the constant reminder of an imminent climate breakdown or mass extinction. It is in these moments in nature I take time to practice gratitude for the abundance and endless generosity of the earth and to reflect on what is my responsibility to the earth. I often think about the sacred teaching by the Iroquois peoples known as the seven generation principle. The belief that the decisions and actions we make today should result in an ecologically thriving and resilient earth for seven generations into the future. What decisions and actions can I take to make our earth more ecologically thriving and resilient? for my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren? What can I give in return for the gifts of the earth? Perhaps I can create a vibrant community garden, buy more secondhand and pre-loved items, eat less meat, buy less environmentally harmful chemicals, or reduce my plastic consumption. Even with the endless possibilities of individual action, I have learned to strive for better and not perfection, and to be mindful of not creating a set of rigid or extreme environmental principles in my daily life that should I fail to meet will inevitably lead to disappointment 
and a sense of failure. What can I give in return for the gifts of the earth? I share the knowledge, wisdom, stories, and lived experiences I have acquired to uplift and empower those around me, to help heal and restore our earth, to teach not through environmental righteousness or condemnation for those failing to uphold unobtainable environmental ideals that not even I could uphold, but rather through understanding and compassion. There is more than enough hate, fear, and blame spread around for why our earth is in such a terrible state. More than enough people have become numb and disengaged to the plights that threaten our earth. Instead, I challenge you and myself to empower others to become environmental leaders and change makers, be it family, relatives, friends, colleagues, or community members, to engage with their curiosity about the natural world and all of the earth's wonders, joys, and burdens to share with others not only why the earth should be protected and restored, but how they too can be in service and help heal our earth so that they may inspire others to do the same. This could be empowering others to take action through helping them start a community park cleanup, write to the council to arrange for a recycling program, participate in a climate march, or start an online awareness campaign about businesses using environmentally damaging practices. By working together collectively, we can create lasting systemic change that restores and heals our earth. In the words of environmentalist Joanna Macy, grace happens when we act with others on behalf of our world. By actively choosing to dedicate our lives to living by our values and beliefs, leading by example, and working collectively together, we can create and champion for a more just, equitable, healthy, and ecologically thriving earth. Thanks so much, Elnaz and David, for those wonderful reflections. Now, the uh, eagle-eyed amongst you will notice that we are running a little long with our service today, but I was just so thrilled with all the contributions that I didn't want to cut anything short. If you have to leave, I understand, but we've got a great hymn coming up now which might tempt you to stay. An old favourite of our congregation, one which celebrates the earth as our blue boat home. This recording is of our own congregation back in the church in 2018, and I reckon we're in fine voice, though as usual there is a bit of rustling. Um, as always, we'll try and make sure you're muted, uh, so if you sing along, go for it. But as always, just listen and follow the words if you'd rather.
So I've just got a few announcements for you now. Uh, thanks to Janine for Zoom hosting today and her ever so reassuring presence at the helm. Uh, thanks to Liz and Karina and David and Alnaz for their reflections. I am hugely grateful for you pulling this together at very short notice. As some of you know, I've been laid up with sciatica for most of the last week. Uh, so I put out an emergency call for help with today's service and, uh, and they came to the rescue. Thanks to Marilisa, who gleefully ran with my whimsical request for the Wombles theme tune uh, and reports that it was played on ukulele, two recorders, a snare drum, tambourine, glockenspiel, kazoo, harmonica, and in the spirit of creative recycling, a selection of jam jars. And thanks to all our Wombles too, who sent in pictures, Pat and John litter picking in West London, Marianne in the Falkland Islands, my mate Chris, who's a regular litter picker with the Sheffield Green Party, and a uh, hat tip to my dad's old mate Brian, who in his 80s uh, still goes out wombling every day around the Isle of Dogs and is training up his grandchildren to do likewise. There are a number of opportunities to connect with the congregation in the week ahead. Coffee morning at half ten on Tuesday on Zoom. You can still sign up for Heart and Soul. Got a few places tonight on the theme of art and still a couple of spaces on Friday, I think. There'll be virtual coffee time after the service today in small groups if you'd like. And we always take a picture after the service if you're going to stick around. Um, Brian's asked me to remind you that there's a poetry sharing evening on Wednesday the 28th of February at 7 o'clock. So please let Brian know or let me know if you want to join so you can get the Zoom link for that. It's a very simple format. Choose a poem you like or one that you've written yourself that you'd like to share with a group and send it to him ahead of time so that um, the text can be circulated to all the participants. Special mention of a National Unitarian event this Friday night, which you might be interested in. Six o'clock on Friday, um, there's a, a, a service attached to our national annual meetings on the theme of recovery and renewal. Should be less than an hour long. Um, Janine and I are helping to host it. Uh, it's led by Kate Wyman of Plymouth, Shana Begum of Hampstead, Peter Fairbrother of Edinburgh, Kate McKenna of Berry, Simon Hall of Northampton and Bob Janice Dillon of Merseyside. So um, a truly national event and the link was in the weekly email. And finally, we'll be back again on Zoom next week at 10 when it's another congregational service on the theme of books that changed our lives with contributions from uh, Hannah, Maria, Pat and Parry Marianne. So it's fine to share the link with trusted chums and feel free to get in touch during the week if you'd like a chat. So just some brief closing words now, followed by another great song from Marilisa to see us out. So why don't we all select gallery view if we can, so we can get a sense of our connected community for the closing words. Our time is short here on earth. Around us swirl immensities of time and space, a universe infinite in all directions. How small our hopes and cares may seem amid the panorama of creation. Yet we are not separate from the cosmos, but have evolved and grown out of it, like the leaves of a tree or the waves upon the sea. Our thoughts are its thoughts. Our lives a manifestation of never-ending vitality, our spirits a microcosm of the beauty and creativity of the whole. Fill us, then, with reverence and compassion for all who are our kin, cloud and sun, sibling and cousin, 
the multitude of beings who share this improbable and never to be repeated moment. All expressions like ourselves of the mind at large, the spirit at play, the dynamism at work in whom we live and move and have our being. And in the days to come, may we be renewed in our commitment to help restore the earth, our one and only home. Amen. And a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They paved paradise, put up a parking lot. They took all the trees, put them in a tree museum, and they charged the people a dollar and a half just to see them. seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone they paved paradise put up a parking lot hey farmer farmer put away that ddt now give me spots on my apples but leave me the birds and the bees please don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone they paved paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night I heard the screen door slam And a big yellow taxi took away my old man Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone They paved paradise, put up a parking lot seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone they paved paradise put up a parking lot they paved paradise put up a parking lot they paved paradise put up a parking lot